it's just been an exciting time in our church in this past uh, couple of weeks and what God's been doing in this past couple of months and kind of this new season in our church, and uh, we're just grateful for that. And so we're going to continue to dive in. Uh, at the end of, um, I guess when was it? Uh, I guess the end of September, going into October, our first message in October, I had kind of a plan of where we were going um, message-wise, and I felt like that Saturday that literally God just completely changed it, and it's been so just um, affirming to hear you talk um, just as a community and seeing what God's doing in your life. I mean, I've just gotten text after call um, and Facebook message of just what God's been doing internally in our church, and so many times we're just focused on the tangible and like what we can see, but God was just God's been just speaking into people's hearts and, and setting us free so, from some fears, and this is kind of that time of year where we kind of like celebrate fears and all that stuff, and uh, we've just been, been jumping through a series called Fear Not, and so we're going to dive back into that today, but if this is your first time at Fathom, we're not going to make you stand up on a chair and sing a song to you or anything like that, not even make you raise your hand, but we really do just want to tell you that we're really glad to have you. We, we do hope that this is uh, just a great time for you to grow, not only in your faith, but grow in family, this time where you get to connect with people in service, that that's a, a really uh, exciting time. So uh, we just uh, pray that this is a good place for you, and it feels like home, and from the bottom of our hearts, we just want to say, welcome home. We just want to say, welcome home. Hope it feels like that to you today. Um, uh, years ago, I was, uh, I had this trip um, coming, I went to Australia for like two and a half weeks, and, and, and on the way back, I remember um, it was awful. I mean, I'll save you all the gory details, but uh, I stayed awake for like 48 hours. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it was terrible. I mean, it was one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life, just exhausted, just want to throw up. I told somebody I'm probably going to say the word vomity um, in my message today because that's how I felt coming back because I just felt so terrible. And, and I remember hopping on the flight from LAX to Charlotte, and we were coming down to Jacksonville. It's like a five-hour flight from LAX. And on the very, like when we were getting ready to land in Los Angeles, I threw up on the plane. I've never done that before. Gross. I know vomity, right? Um, so I, but I threw up on the plane. We hopped on the next plane to go to Charlotte. And I sat next to this girl who had an intense fear of flying. Um, and I don't know if you've ever sat next to someone on a plane who has an intense fear of flying, but it's not exactly a pleasant experience. Like you begin to get super nervous and when you're already vomity, right, you're going to start saying the word with me, vomity, I'm just making that up. When you're already feeling like that, it was awful. Like, and she was like ripping my arm to pieces, um, like as we were there. She was like an artist from like Hollywood and like a, a young gal, and she was just so terrified of flying. Anybody else f terrified of flying? Like some of you like can just have a support group for that. Um, we'll get one of those together, but um, she was dealing with this, and, and I just remember as the conversation, as she began to kind of mellow down, I think she had taken some slight medications of some sort to chill out and had a couple of drinks to, to chill out a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I remember just as the, she mellowed out a little bit, she began to kind of want to have conversation, and all I wanted to do was sleep and die. Like, I didn't want to roll over and die. She's wanting to have these deep conversations about why I went to Australia and just really deep conversations about faith and calling, and here I am coming off this, this two-and-a-half-week mission, um, and, and here I am on this thing where I'm feeling terrible, and I have this opportunity to share, and literally, I don't want to hear it, and I'm not all about it right then. Like, I'm just a bad pastor at that point. Like, I'm just exhausted and don't have it, and so there was this giant hurdle, but I remember just kind of like 
something happened and begin to fight through that where I was able to open up and began to share uh, just about the call that God's placed on my life and what it means to believe. And, and she really had no kind of God background, if you will, uh, except for what she had seen in creation and in popular media. So it was this great opportunity to share the gospel. And um, I didn't close some deal that day. I didn't put one on the scoreboard, for those of you that think like that. But there was a great opportunity when I wasn't feeling it, you know, to pour into someone that was ready and open and so vulnerable and might, might have even been a little tipsy. I don't know. <laughs> but there, there was just an opportunity and, and there was hunger there. There was hunger beyond all that stuff where, um, and a desire for truth and to know God right in the middle of her intense fears of flying. And I think those opportunities surround us constantly. Some of you are still battling different fears. You have to fight those on a daily basis. A fear of dying, a fear of your financial future, how it's going to all come to play when we haven't done what we needed to do to retire and we're at that stage and we're like, what are we going to do? We've got all kinds of different fears that we might have, fears of, of um, you know, you name it, you've got them, fears of flying, fears of relapsing, you name it, we've got them. Um, fears of rejection, the list goes on and on. And God, we've been just pounding in this series that we don't have to fear First of all, because God's present, because he's present and he cares. Uh, and then last week, we, we really talked about we don't have to fear because we have each other. We, we looked at the story of Jonathan and David, and, and Jonathan looked to David when he is literally on the run for his life, and he says, don't be afraid. Basically said, I've got your back. I've got your back. And that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. And we, we ended in a, a text last week in Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, and he writes to the church at Ephesus. We call that book Ephesians, but it's really just a letter to this church. Uh, and we picked that up in, in, in chapter 6. We'll do the same thing today, uh, because we looked at the armor of God, and what we remember about that, that the back was exposed, and that's where we kind of begin to cover each other's back, and so we need the body of Christ. But I just want to take a few verses of that, and that's going to be kind of our, our main text for today, and I'll read a bunch of other ones. But our main text is just Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20. Uh, and then we'll, you'll, I'll have one highlighted here, and we'll just kind of make this our, our main thought for the day. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, like the, the pastor's like, hey, will you pray for me? That whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Stay right there for just a second. I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. That's going to be our big idea today. We're just going to talk about sharing the gospel. I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20. For which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The truth of the matter is that all of us are called to declare the, this mystery of the gospel. Our mission statement as a church is very simple. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Jesus has been resurrected. He's hanging out with his disciples. He's already appeared to them a couple times. And this last time in Matthew 28, he appears to them. He, he sends them with this mission that is connected to him. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember, I'm with you. Teaching them to uh, obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you until the end of the age. So he sent us out on this mission as his disciples, as his followers, um, for us to walk in that mission and, and carry on that. Go and make disciples and to share 
the good news. But I think it's really tough for us. I think that's a fear that a lot of us have. I, I think statistically, uh, if you look at statistics, 75, I think I saw a statistic that said 75% of evangelical Christians are not afraid to share their faith. We're not afraid to share it. But about that same statistic does not share their faith. So I wonder if it's the exact same people and it's only the people who are afraid that actually are doing I don't know how that works. But there's 75% of us that say I'm comfortable sharing my faith. But then it's that almost that exact same statistic. It's a little bit less, about 70, 65 to 70% that say I don't share my faith, though. Like, I'm not afraid, but I don't. Like, so how, how does this all connect? Truth of the matter is, is that we're really, I think, struggling with it. I, I think um, when we've been given a, a commission, a, a mission to go out and share um, this word that's used here, ambassador, it, it, you know, that Paul uses in verse 20, really means to, to I mean, we think about that now, like an ambassador sent to the United, from the United States to Mexico, he goes and he, you know, lives in Mexico, but he, he doesn't become a Mexican, like he, he doesn't become nationalized there or, or get a citizenship there, he's just there on mission, on business, and the same is with us as we gather in this place and we're sent out into the world, we're sent to it. And so we don't settle into just the, the patterns of the world, but we, we're sent out on mission to carry the good news that uh, we've received. And so to really pa- unpack this today, I want to take that one phrase, that one phrase, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And to do this, kind of want to work backwards through it. So we'll talk about the gospel for a minute. Let's talk about mystery, make known fearlessly, I will. So I'm just going to unpack it backwards, if that's okay, and just take that simple idea because I think this is something that <clears throat> you may not ex- exactly be like super jazzed to hear about today, and that's okay. But I think it's something that we need to hear. It's something that we need to hear as a church. It's something that we as believers have to grab a hold of because it's, a sen- it's an essential part of our being in creation is, is not only to worship, but to share that light that's been given to us. So let's talk about the gospel for a minute. There's a lot of places we could go to begin to unpack that. And I think the majority of you, if I asked you what the gospel is, you'd say, yeah, I know. And I'd say, explain that. And you're like, well, yeah, you know that one verse, right? And so we have difficulty describing our experience, right? We have difficulty kind of putting it all together. And we feel like we've got to be some theologian or some pastor, some great evangelist to share with our neighbor, the love of Christ. And we feel like we've got to go over there with a track, and we've got this picture in our brain of what it's supposed to look like. Come on, no, you know you do. And you've like pushed those people away maybe before you knew the Lord. But we, we have this picture of what it looks like, but I, I think we've got to lock into what the gospel truly is. And, and it's very simple. I think most time in our attempts to, to make it easier, we make it way more complicated than what it is. One of my favorite verses to describe it, John 3.16 is always good, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's a good one. I love Ephesians 2. Actually, let's just stay in the same letter. Paul, at the beginning of it, says this, for it's by grace you've been saved. It's by grace you've been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourself. It's what? It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think if we just take, I highlighted a few that just make 
Help us to grasp it. And I think there's some things that God's prepared for us in advance to do this week. In the next three months, I think there are things for every single one of us that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And as we walk onto those encounters and we hear that all call at church or at, at school, there's someone that, that, that opens into a conversation that it's right there in front of us, and all we have to do is just walk into it. God's prepared them, right? We make it about all these great campaigns, and we make it about these big kind of conquests around the world, but really it's just being obedient and listening for what's right in front of us, right? It's right in front of us. So I broke it down just into a simple idea, and it all starts with grace. It all starts with grace. And and, and grace and mercy are, are pretty easy to grasp with with a simple explanation here. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve. We deserve hell. God doesn't give us hell. He gives us heaven. So in his mercy, or my son, you know, does something wrong, and um, he really needs to get in trouble, but this time I say, hey, bud, instead, like, you're not going to get in trouble this time. Just listen. You know, I just give him the old lecture. You know, so he, he deserves it. He should probably get it. But instead, I, I show mercy in that. Or, or uh, um, uh, in a court case, you know, they come before the judge. And the judge, we deserve that. We've committed this crime. We deserve that. But instead, they, they, they let us off on, on probation or whatever it might be. Okay, so that's, that's mercy. But grace is kind of the other side of that. It's us getting what we don't deserve. Where mercy is us not getting what we do deserve getting out of the punishment that we deserve. Grace is the other side of that. It is where we actually get what we don't deserve. We don't deserve eternal life, but we get eternal life, right? And so my son, he, he makes an, you know, uh, just a C on his report card, and I go get him ice cream. Did he really, like, work real hard for that? No, but, but I'm going to take you out to ice cream. Why? Dad, I didn't, I didn't even do anything. I know. I know. I didn't, I didn't even do anything great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just want to give you ice cream because I love you, and it's a gift, um, you know, some, most of the time we get, like, gifts on our birthday or Christmas or something like that. It's just someone coming up to you and just giving you a gift any time of the day. Did you do anything for that? No. Like, what's this for? Just thinking of you. Like, and, and so I think the easiest way for us to understand grace is in that very simple terms. I think there's a couple words I want to highlight in this that I think it's really important that we grab a hold of. And some of us that have really thought that we understood the gospel, I think when we really begin to examine our walk with God, we realize that, man, it's really been about performance, it's really been about how I did on my report card, therefore God will give me the ice cream, right? It's kind of been that kind of game as opposed to it being a gift I receive. And I think that the first word I want to highlight is saved. And, and, and I've found a number of people who, like, like hey, I'm saved. Okay, what did you get saved from? And like, you know, just hell. Yeah, like, all right, but what did you get saved from, like, actually, like, in this life? Did you... Did you have a realization that you were living sinfully? Like, is there a, a, a realization that, that you needed saving? Jesus put it very simple. The, the greater the need for a Savior, like the greater that salvation becomes in their life, the greater the need for that grace. And so I think the more we understand our need to be saved, the greater God becomes in our life. Every single one of us, I don't care how good of a, or bad of a life um, you've lived, you ain't perfect. I promise that, and neither am I. So I think the greater we understand that we need to be saved and that Christ has saved us through grace. Um, and then faith, that it, it, it's not, there's gonna be days where like I question, you know, I question, God, 
man, am I even good enough? Oh, wait, I just got to have faith in Jesus and have faith in the grace. It's not a matter of whether I'm good enough. And we begin to get our eyes all on ourselves and not what God's done for us. I think the simplest picture that we can give is what Paul gives here. It's the gift of God. It's, it's the gift of God. If you, are, if you have received that gift, like just say amen and like walk in it. Like, and, and just walk within it. And God will teach you know, holiness and, and you know, sanctification, which is the outworking of that faith. That as God changes us from the inside, as we come to understand the beauty of that revelation of grace, like it just illuminates and that begins to happen. So, but we've got to have a real clear picture of the gospel. What it is. It's a gift. It's a, it's a gift. What I found in my life is that the gospel gets deeper and deeper every day. The more I, I find myself just a, a, a open to what God's teaching me, and more I, I find myself just knowing that I need a Savior, knowing that I'm not good enough on my very best day when I'm on my very best behavior. The scriptures say that's just like filthy rags. Like, it falls way short, Romans 3.23. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so the gospel is quite simple, but we make it really difficult. And I give you a longer explanation to give some meat there. But um, I think these three words from this one text can kind of help package it in, in a way that's very easy for us to understand. So we've got to have that foundation of knowing what the gospel is. And we have to receive that in our own lives before we can do anything so after the, the gospel, I, I think, let's look into this idea of the mystery. He says this here. He also says it when talking about husbands and wives and their relationship and how uh, Christ's relationship with the church also mirrors um, a husband and wife relationship. Um, and looking at this idea of mystery, I think, is something that we have not explored in sharing our faith. Uh, and it's something that's really important. Most of us want to have all the answers. How many of you guys would like to have all the answers, right? Right. How many of you like to, come on, be real. Like, how many of you guys would like to have all the answers? I think we would, or at least more answers than what we have now. Um, but how many of you like to be around someone who knows all the answers, right? No, not so much. We don't love being around those people. You have one of those friends or somebody in your family that they know it all. Come on, you, can you think of that person? Let's all say, no, I'm not going to say them out loud because they're sitting next to you probably. Um, they know it all. Nobody likes to be around those people. And I think one of the problems that I think we've had trouble getting over in our brains is as we go out and we have these opportunities to share that are presented in front of us. Someone asks us a question or makes an accusation about what we believe. We feel like, man, I've got to have all the answers to really do this. We feel like we're doing them a disservice if we don't have all the answers. But one of the things I found to be most compelling and engaging with people is when you just say, I don't know, but like, let's work through that together. Like, let's look through the scriptures together and like have an online, or an, an online, you can do an online conversation, but an ongoing dialogue and conversation about this. So many times we, we think that sharing the gospel is like this very simple exchange you know, you need the answer, I've got the answer, here's the answer. And it's just not that simple. There's this beauty in this mystery of the gospel. Isaiah 55 says it like this. They've got it, I think, on the screen for us. Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I read it recently that we shouldn't be surprised 
when we don't understand a God who says he's beyond understanding. We shouldn't be surprised when we don't comprehend that. In fact, the more that we think that we've got a grasp on God, when we're, what we're really doing is, is becoming prideful because the greater God gets in our life, the more we realize we don't understand all of it. The more we find ourselves in a very humbling position. Just like John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he may increase. And that doesn't mean we don't pursue that and we don't pursue that knowledge. Like one of my biggest mentors, I feel like um, educationally and theologically, has been uh, Ravi Zacharias, who's like a, a profound, like brilliant uh, apologetical teacher. That means the defense of the faith. Um, he's an, just an incredible mind that knows and loves Jesus and, and shares it in such a way that we can all understand it, even at a very high intellect level. But we've got to embrace the mystery with that as well. As we pursue knowledge and as we pursue understanding for these great depths of God, there's always, we always approach it with this thing, I'm never going to understand everything. And wrestling with that and resting in that. And I think it's actually very attractive when you have an opportunity to share with somebody, to just say, I don't know, like, let's work through that. Or if you have an answer, you do it in such a way that's in humility and in love, not in, like, the snotty, like, know-it-all. Not that any of you are like that. But nobody likes that person. And it's important that we approach people and engage people with this sense of mystery because that's the beautiful thing we love about relationships, isn't it? Like, I, I just remember early on when my wife and I were we're dating, and like there was just so much mystery, right? Like I don't know everything. I was just actually telling someone there there were some mysteries that were revealed that like should have stayed secrets, you know. I I, I thought that she was super organized from the day we met. Like, and, and I told somebody this morning, like it wasn't until after we got married that I didn't I, I realized, oh wait, she's not like a super organized, neat freak like I am. She lied to me and convinced me the whole time that she was. No, she didn't lie to me. But I just had this thought that that's how it was. And there was so much mystery around dating on saying, hey, babe, I'm taking you out this weekend. Where are you taking me? I don't know. I'm, or I'm not telling you, at least. And the truth of the matter was, I don't know. Um, right? So that mystery is what excites a relationship. And, and so we should embrace that in our relationship with God as we point others to a, a walk with the Lord. So mystery is the, the next thing. Don't be surprised when you don't understand a God who is, says that he's beyond understanding. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and it's a beautiful thing to kind of go out and, and, and just look at the stars and just say, man, I just can't fathom, I can't understand the beauty and wonder of God that put these stars in place. Like, come on, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So the gospel, the mystery, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Let's talk about making known, because that's, I guess, when the rubber hits the road. After we after we like, feel like we've got a grasp on the, the gospel and, like, the, and just embracing this mystery of this relationship, at some point we've got to make them known. And that's Paul's prayer. Like, and if you're struggling through this, and even right now you're making every excuse for why you can't and for why you won't be one that shares the gospel and make him known. Um, I, I believe that, that the Lord's going to just convict our hearts and open our hearts to being used of God to make him known, to make him known. And I think we've just got to um, remember that we're not making known some deep theological, you know, perspective. We're not making known a church. We're, we're not making known how smart we are. We're literally introducing people to Jesus. 
We're literally pointing people to Jesus. And we're not, we're not carrying out our own business. We're just carrying out the Father's business. And that's why, because many times, I think some of the fears we have is a fear of rejection. Like, if I do speak up at this moment, share what's on my heart, and it doesn't mean you walk into the ABCs of salvation, but just sharing what God's put on your heart at that time, um, we're just worried about the rejection that'll come back. And even Jesus said, like, don't worry about, like, that, that, that that's going to happen. When they're rejecting, they're not rejecting you. They're really rejecting rejecting me. So I think they've got a scripture here that helps us unpack this right here. I think it's in Luke. Is that right? Luke chapter 12. Yep. Uh, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I think that might sound a little bit mystical for some of us, like, that, oh, God's just, God, and, and sometimes that may not be very comforting for us. Oh, just when you're in that situation, and here they're being brought before synagogues and rulers, not before their coworker or their sister or whatever is going on, Right? But I think there's encouragement in this. As, as we have those opportunities to make him known, we don't even have to worry that the Holy Spirit's going to help us give the words to say. And I think that does bring some comfort. If I, I just told you, like, hey, um, I, I need you to go on the news tomorrow, and I need you to, um, to, to say a prayer in front of the whole nation, right? That's a big... Like, you'd be so worried, like, what am I going to say? Everything I'm going to say. But if I just gave you a script... And said, hey, I just need you to read this. You're like, well, it's still super scary, but I guess I can read the script. And just know that the, that the Holy Spirit's going to give us a script. Kind of in that time, in that moment, he's going to give us the words we should say. So we don't have to worry about that. We just have to be obedient in that time to make them known. And, and I think that the hardest thing, and some of you are probably tired of me sharing this, but um, it's important that I share it because there's many of you in this room that are in this place I share it all the time that when I was in college, like studying to, to do ministry, I, I had to be honest with God. And, and I was in a class about evangelism, about sharing the gospel. And I had to be honest with myself and, and with the Lord and say, God, I don't even care. Like, I can fake it and I'll go on like a mission trip and I'll go out with a team and we'll feed the homeless. Like, and I can fake it. But deep in my heart, God, you know and I know I don't really care. I don't really care. I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of fighting through my own junk. I don't have time for that, honestly. And some of you in this room, you need to kind of get real with God today and get real with yourself because that's where I was uh, probably about 10 years ago. That's where I was. I, I had to be honest. And God w will bring a certain amount of grace and a passion for that some, for me, it was in a very immediate time frame. It was within a, a day or two. I just felt like a flame just explode in my heart because I was willing to say the prayer. Some of us aren't even willing to say the prayer, God, help me to care, because we don't want to care. <laughs> we just like our routines. We like focusing on our own life, on our own junk, and we don't care about people. But like, I'm glad God didn't feel that way about us. Like, I'm, I'm glad he, he sent Jesus, and he so loved the world that he gave his son. And so we've got to wake up that compassion in us and pray, God, help me to care, even on the days that I don't care, even on the days that I feel super vomity and I don't want to listen to, like, have this conversation with this girl that's ripping my arm off in the plane and all her issues and drinking issues, like, whatever. I, I didn't have time, but we've got to get out of that sometimes. And just let, and just be honest with the Lord and say, God, help me to care. Help me to care in this moment and to make him known. 
Uh, and it's that simple. We're not introducing them to a theology or at a church. We're introducing them to Jesus, very simply, pointing them to Jesus. Uh, one easy way, let me just give you a, a real easy way. I had a guy call the church this week. Um, it was kind of a weird conversation. At first, he said, so, um, hey, I picked up the phone. I, I get tired of picking up our phone because nobody calls anymore, you know what I mean? Um, and it's usually like a solicitor or something or like an ad for Ben Carson, and I'll just listen to it for a second. Um, but this, this particular guy uh, asked me, he said, hey, can you uh, tell me about your church? And so like, I started to talk for a second, and I'm like, that's a super vague question. Like, what do you actually want to know? Uh, I didn't tell him, like, that's a super vague co- question. But I was like, can you be more specific about what you want to know about our church? Like, times or about Jesus? Like, what do you want to know? And so it's like, yeah, just really the name. He's like, I'm just wanting to know, like, what the name is. And I, I love getting to share the name. Um, and he ended up being a pastor across town that was just flipping through the yellow book. And um, the phone book, is that called the yellow? Yellow pages. Yeah, yellow book. Sorry. It's so ancient that I haven't thought about it. Um, but, uh, and so I just had this great opportunity to share it. And uh, he's like, okay, great. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's all I needed. I'm like, all right, good talk. Um, but if you haven't heard kind of um, the story of kind of the meaning of the name, it's an incredible way to share the gospel. It, it, it really is. Uh, very simply, in, in our current context, in, in modern context, fathom means to understand, so we feel like a lot of people haven't loved the church because they haven't understood what the church was really about, and just that we're the body of Christ, that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church. Because there's a, a real movement where people are like, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And that's not how Jesus feels. Jesus loves the church, gave himself for it. We want people to understand and love the church. But in Old English, uh, many, many moons ago, um, the, the term fathom was actually a term of measurement. And um, they would use it, uh, it, you know, in nautical terms. Like, that's why you see some nautical maps out in our, our coffee bar that say fa- uh, soundings and fathoms, measurements in fathoms, because it was really about six feet. And how they would measure, you know, the depth of the water to know whether their boat, you know, was safe to go forward was they'd take a rope and they'd stretch it out about six feet, and that was about... That was about a fathom. Uh, And so the literal translation in Old English of fathom is outstretched arms. And so for us, that's just the meaning of what Jesus did for us. It points us to the cross, that he stretched out his arms uh, and died, um, died for our sins. And it's also our message to our community and the lives that we want to live is open arms and embracing those around us with the love of God and, and introducing people to that grace. And so even if you, you want to kind of use the whole church card, like, hey, you should come to church with me. Like, what church do you go to? Fathom. Oh, that's interesting because people are always like, that's super weird. Um, that gives you a great opportunity to even share it, and bam, you get to share the gospel, right, with using the name. So, like, that's making it real easy. So you're welcome to use that one or anything else. But um, I think once we grab a hold of the, <clears throat> the make known, that we're willing to make them known, <clears throat> we have to deal with, with some of those fears. Because some of us will walk out and say, okay, I'm going to do it and do it. And then we're going to find ourselves really, you know, afraid uh, when that opportunity presents itself. <clears throat> I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Let's talk about fearlessly. There's a, there's a freedom in being fearless. Um, there's a bondage that comes in fear. Some of you are living in fear in all kinds of different ways right now, as we've alluded to and talked about. But when we're fearless, we become free of that. We become, there's a confidence in that. The opposite of, of fearful would be, you know, confident or uh, courageous. 
in that. And I, I wonder just in, in our lives if we were to ask ourselves, why am I so fearful? And I think as we begin to unpack that, I think we'll end up finding our confidence in ourselves and not our confidence in Christ. And, and that's a problem. Um, let's look at this passage right here um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11. Three times I pleaded. This is Paul again talking to the Corinthian church. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. He's talking about this thorn in his flesh that some people think is like um, someone known as a Judaizer who just persecuted people and they just wanted him like out of there. Uh, other people think it's some kind of um, physical ailment that he battled with or an addiction. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not when I have it all together and I'm strong, then I'm stronger in Christ. No, it's, it's in our weakness that we're made strong. And so if you walk out of here saying, like, anybody but me, God, or if you're battling with that and that moment comes on, remember, like, your, your faith and your confidence and your fearlessness doesn't come from some deep place inside of your heart where you just have a face-to-face -face with God and say, I'm not scared anymore. I'm going to do it. And then go out there. You know, or, or I got super educated and now I can do it. <clears throat> no, because then you're just putting the focus all on yourself. It's really, now I've got educated, now I have confidence, now, and this, it's about the strength as opposed to just walking and living, continuing to learn, but always being humble and, and, and rejoicing, as he says, in delighting in weaknesses and insults, um, because it's through that, that that Christ is made strong and his power rests on us in that time. Do you want to do it by yourself, or do you want to do it um, with and through God. I think all of us would say with and through God. And so know that. That's why we don't have to be fearless. Not only because he's present um, and he cares for us. But we have each other sounding board where we can say, hey, you know, Marcus, I'm, I'm going through this thing. I'm talking to this guy. and I'm, I'm, I, You've got a similar background. And I don't know how to unpack this for him. He's, he's hit me with some questions that I don't know. We can talk those things out in community and then go back and, and be able to pour into people's lives. But I think the fearlessness doesn't come from some deeper place in, in our hearts. It comes from putting our life solely and firmly on Christ because it's in him that we find that strength. I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I want to wrap up today on just this simple phrase that it kind of ends with or begins with, I will. I will. I was reading through the book of Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 6, actually. Um, I think it was Isaiah 6. Um, and they have this great kind of, um, God needs someone to share something. He needs a prophet to share something to his people who are kind of acting a fool, just to put it <laughs> commonly. Kind of crazy. And God, God needs someone to share a message with them. Share some truth with them. They may like it. They may respond to it. They may not. This person doesn't know. This prophet doesn't know. But the scripture says, who shall I send for me? Who will go for me? Um, in fact, I wasn't planning on this, but I, I want to I look it up and read it um, because it's so powerful for us today. He says, who will go for me? And Isaiah very... Um, 
simply responds, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Let me find the passage here. Now, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. It's like an angelic figure. Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And the other two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It's full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Listen to what Isaiah says here. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Once we've been marked by the gospel, we're different. And then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal on his hand, which he had taken uh, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Very simple. I, I think we find ourselves in a similar time. Maybe there's no seraphs and six wings going on in a vision right now. Um, Maybe you're just in a place where you don't care. Um, I believe the Lord's going to ignite that through some honest, like, God, help me to care. Maybe they'll start small and grow very big. Maybe it'll just come out blazing. Um, But I just wonder in this house, like, who would be in that place and say, God, you can use me? Like, I'm I'm not smart enough. And, like, I, I think I have a grasp on the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel, and I've received you, and I'm walking with you in my life, and... I'm not much, but what I have, I I give you. It's yours. Um, God, in fact, throughout the scripture, delights in using the, um, those that um, others might kind of push to the side, or in our own minds, we might push to the side. God delights um, in the uncommon and the supernatural. That's why he's become strong in our weakness. Here I am, Lord. Send me. One of, one of the most beautiful pictures I feel like that Jesus shares is in his first message in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 14, 16. It says this. You're the light of the world. In John, John refers to Jesus as the light of the world. In Matthew, Matthew refers, or Jesus refers to us, to this great crowd of people He says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. I just always got this beautiful picture here of just this kind of beautiful town on a hill, very simply. Could not be hidden. It's on top of a a mountain. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Over the next several months, we're going to present great opportunities to do good deeds. We have an event called Here for Good where we're going to go out and serve the community in all kinds of different ways. Uh, We've got Buy a Tree, Change a Life coming up, and it's just going to be a constant just opportunity to just pour into our community and connect with our community. Lots of good deeds. Raise lots of money for 
very worthy causes. Um, lots of good deeds to, to be had, but I want us as a people to live in whatever house that we're going to. We can multiply the influence for the name of Jesus and making him known if we will not put it up under uh, a bowl. And the one thing about that, like when you have a candle, like if I were to come over here and do this, this will probably burn some. Yeah, I'm not going to do that because I'm not stupid. But if I were to come over and close it, what happens? Puts it out. Puts it out. And so some of us in our life, we're wondering like, man, I used to have this nice little light going, this little light on my mind, I'm going to let it shine. And then for some reason, it's kind of dying on me. It's flickering, and it's a trick candle, and it comes back up every once in a while. They did that for me for my birthday. I was so mad about it. Um, I wonder why it's going out. I don't understand. God, there used to be this real passion and desire for you, but I wonder if it's because we've just been putting a bowl over it. We haven't been letting it out. We haven't been letting it shine. And it's not, it's not some fancy formula. It's just an openness and a very simple, like, woe is me. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips and among a people of unclean lips. But God, here I am and send me. Just use me. I'm not much, but you can use me. And so I just wonder in this house if there's anyone that say, I, I, I don't know about for everybody else, but for me, like, I'm, I'm not going to put a bowl over it. I'm going to ha- just do my very best to let my light shine before all men. And it's not some about, about some spiritual scoreboard where I want all these people to the Lord. That's, that's great. That's great if you do. But the scriptures say that one will plant and another will harvest, and it's the Lord that makes them all grow. So it's, it's God's work. And I just want us to be obedient and, and open to what God's doing on a daily basis to let our light shine before all men. And rejoice in that. Rejoice in those opportunities take advantage of them. I want to ask you to stand today. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to the table. God, I thank you for your word today that breathes life into the dead parts of our heart. God, I I thank you for the truth of the gospel um, that we just get to enjoy We get to enjoy the gift and receive the gift today. God, if there's anyone in this place who has not received the gift or has received some some, uh, mutated form of the gospel, I pray that you would bring clarity and revelation into their heart that we need to receive, God, just the gift and have faith in the grace that you've offered us, that we didn't deserve it, but you've offered it. We receive it today. God, for for many of us in the house, God, it's not that we don't want to. It's not that we're even afraid to. It's just, I don't know. There's something that happens between what we want and what happens. And maybe it's the busyness of life. Maybe it's just excuses. But God, help us not to get to this place where our light has been extinguished and we can't be the city on the hill that you've called us to be. We can't be, let our light shine before our men. We can't let that light fill the whole room. God, I pray that you would raise up Um, men and women of God who will let that light shine in the workplace, in their homes that some might be filled with, with those that are lost and don't know you, God. In every place that we go, let our light shine before all men.